Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi, and I'm glad to be with you today as we share some thoughts about some songs that have been written by one of our panelists, and I'll be getting to that in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome our panelists. Here in the studio with me are Mick Wells and Vicki Cundiff, and joining us live via remote is Pastor Mac, Don McDonald. He's coming to us from Danforth, Illinois, where he is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church. And the first person I mentioned, Mick Wells, actually has a background in music. And Mick has written a number of different songs throughout the years. And as we were talking as at one of our previous sessions, we really started thinking about the fact that, Mick, you have had some wonderful lyrics in some of your songs that really, really uplift the Lord, really proclaim the Lord. And we thought music plays such an important part in in the lives of so many Christians that we thought that maybe it would be great for us to maybe hear some insights from you on some of the songs that you've written. So I'm just going to ask you to take it away from here. And the name of this song that we're going to be talking about today is Who Do You Say I Am? Well, thanks, Pete. It's a a special privilege for me to be able to talk about the message of the songs that the Lord has given me. I think back to early 1980s when I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, and I was living in Xenia, Ohio. I can recall the basis for this particular song, Who Do You Say I Am?, It came to mind when I was in town, it was around Christmas time back then, and I just was amazed at people running to and fro with Christmas trees and tinsel and gifts and all kinds of accoutrements associated with Christmas. And and it was just like I bowed my head and said, Lord, it's Christmas time. This is when we honor and remember your birth, your incarnation, the first advent. And all these people are running to and fro, and they're so busy, and and I thought to myself, they don't even know who you really are. And it kind of led me to the scripture that uh, we're going to look at here and to the song that the, the Lord gave me, Who Do You Say I Am?, I'm going to ask uh, Don McDonald if he would read the scripture that this song is based on. It's from Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 20. Sure. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Amen. You know, 
that particular question that Jesus asked his followers, in a sense, we are all asked that question mm -hmm. in this life. And 2,000 years later or so, it's the most important question that each of us will ever answer. And I can't assume that you think Jesus is who I think Jesus is. So if you went up to somebody you know and asked them and started to uh, peel back the issue, you might be uh, surprised if not shocked, but it is the most important question ever posed to us, and our answer to that question will in large part determine our eternity. I'm going to share with you now uh, the recording of the song that we did from 1994. This is the Wells of Salvation Gospel Band. Listen to the lyrics now of our song, Who Do You Say I Am? had watched me heal the sick and lame. Some thought I was John or some prophet from beyond. My followers then gathered as I prayed. And I asked them, what about you? You see the things I do. Do you say I am? 
You are the Christ of God, the Holy Anointed One, the Messiah. You are my Lord and my God. Who do you say I am? Of course, the song is portrayed from the vantage point of Jesus talking to his disciples. And, you know, Don read a a wonderful answer there that Peter gave uh, when Peter said, you are God's Messiah. And, you know, the Lord Jesus is known by so many things in Scripture, names and titles, the Christ of God, the Holy Anointed One, the Messiah. And as Thomas said, you are my Lord and my God. We have no other hope, really, for this life and for eternity other than what Jesus brings to us. And who we think Jesus is, who we believe that Jesus is, is critical. In fact, I'd say our very salvation hinges on that. And I looked online just to see what people thought of Jesus, and I found a survey, and the survey results showed that 34% of American evangelical Christians don't believe that Jesus was or is God. Now, I had to pick myself up the floor, off the floor after reading that. That means that 66% of American evangelical Christians do believe Jesus is God, but 34% of Christians and evangelical Christians don't, to the extent there's any validity to that survey. A little more shocking is that the percentage of evangelicals that thought Jesus, that believed Jesus was a being created by God. We're going to look at what the Bible says about Jesus, but 65% of evangelicals in that survey said that the first that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Well, you know, panel members here, do you know anybody who believes that Jesus is not God? They may or may not be a, a Christians, and if that's the case, can you think of some of their reasons why that's why they hold that view? The ones I think of first, Mick, are the ones who do not claim Christianity. Um, that's obviously, to me, the, the people who wouldn't believe that Jesus is God. They don't claim to follow Jesus. Uh, they may not even believe in Jesus, or they may believe in Jesus as perhaps somebody who lived but who was simply a teacher or a rabbi or or whatever. I guess teacher and rabbi, in essence, mean the same thing in the old uh, language there. But the ones who mainly... Um, would say he is not God, that I talk to are the ones who do not profess him as as God because they don't profess Christianity. So they don't believe in a salvation. They don't see a need to be saved. I, I guess what I'm getting at is when people deny that Jesus is God and they believe they're saved, what, what is their salvation based on? You know, I'm at a total loss. To, to even talk to them about that. I had a friend out in Arizona. He's deceased now, but he went to high school with me. And um, I've been praying for him. I've been talking to him over the phone for, for years. And he did, on one occasion, go to a Baptist church in Mansfield, Ohio. And he prayed 
for salvation with the pastor in the pastor's study, and the pastor told me about that. But I thought I would ask my, my friend this question. It was over the phone from here to Globe, Arizona. And I, I said, uh, do you believe that Jesus is or was God? And he said, real quickly, he said, absolutely not. And of course, that led to all kinds of discussions. And it's illustrated by what I just mentioned. If you believe you're saved, and Jesus, you've given your heart to him, but you don't think he's God, on what basis do you find yourself saying that you're saved? Well, at this point in our program, it's time for a break. Uh, we're going to come back and look at some more scriptures about who Jesus truly is and why we should believe that he is God. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Reconciling Grace, and this week our program is on who Jesus is. And we feature a song that I wrote some years ago called, Who Do You Say I Am? It's based directly on Scripture because Jesus asked his followers that. And so we want to do the most important thing here is we have the Word of God, the living Word of God, and it tells us who Jesus is. And if it were only told to us once in the Scripture, it would be absolutely true. But there are many places that show that Jesus is indeed God. He came here as the Word made flesh. And we're going to read a number of scriptures here to underscore what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is. And this one, this scripture goes clear back to the Old Testament. And I've asked uh, Pete, if, would you share with us Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, a lot of that comes uh, or has been uh, rephrased in the uh, Handel's Messiah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe. But I underscored that section you read there, Pete, where... Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied that his name will be called, among other things, Mighty God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that shows us very clearly that even in the Old Testament, we were uh, mankind was looking for Jesus as God in the flesh. So um, there's a number of scriptures in in John. I mean, if if you were a member of a cult, you'd you'd hate this section of scripture that we're going to read now, because it so clearly expresses the deity of Christ. Vicky, would you share with us John chapter one and verse one? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's pretty clear. I mean, it doesn't use the word Jesus, but he was the Word. He was there in the beginning. In other words, at the foundation of, of the world, you know, he was with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he was the Word who was made flesh, of course. And clearly, the Bible tells us the Word was God. And I follow that up with uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14. 
It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, capital S on that Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we know that elsewhere in the scripture, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Clearly, he was the word who took on humanity, uh, became flesh, and dwelt among us. And Don, would you share with us uh, another verse from John uh, chapter 1, verse 18? Sure. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. You know, uh, there's an old cliche that says there's no fuzz on that. <laughs> and I don't yeah. find any here. Yeah, peachy. The Son, who is himself God. Nothing ambiguous about it. Uh, very clear. So when we walk with Jesus, we are walking with God, uh, a member of the, of the Trinity, the triune God. Pete, would you share with us Colossians chapter 2? I love this one. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Yeah, that's verse 9 from Colossians 2. In fact, uh, Colossians 1.15 says that he is the image of the invisible God. Yeah. This particular verse you read, uh, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I read that to my friend over the phone when he said he absolutely did not believe that Jesus was God. And, you know, I don't want to dramatize this, but he was pretty much speechless after I read that to him because he went and looked it up in his Bible. There it is. And again, no fuzz on that. Vicki, would you share with us uh, from Titus, the book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 13? Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very clear. That's our blessed hope. We are looking for uh, the appearing, the second advent, if you will, of Jesus Christ. He's going to come back uh, for his church. And the scripture calls him our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember, Pete, you talking about you're going outside and looking up at the sky and and saying that, and I've been joining you in that endeavor. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, especially, I don't want to date this. Hopefully, somebody will be listening to this number of years from now when they say, what are you talking about, COVID? Well, right now, we're talking about this in COVID and all the stuff going on, and the, the nation is in turmoil post-election, and you know what? Jesus, come on back, would you? Yeah, there's... There's not a problem in our life right now. The rapture wouldn't cure. I, I uh, was, um, when you're reading through all this, Mick, I keep thinking about at the very beginning, Genesis 1, uh -huh. Elohim, which is the name of God, is plural. Yes. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are there, and it's all chaos. And yet when God breathed, it all became good. Absolutely, and I believe the scripture says, uh, let us make man in our image. Image. We're talking about 
the the three faceted triune God. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so important that we recognize that it took a perfect sacrifice. It took God in human form to come here to pay the penalty for our sins. I don't think anything less would do. And why did why did God require a sinless sacrifice to pay for the penalty of our sins? Well, let's take a look at mankind first. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are not divine. You and I are not divine. We are counting on the divine to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins, and to cloak us in his righteousness. Um, If you look in the Old Testament, you see that uh, the Jewish nation was uh, instructed to sacrifice bulls and goats. And Hebrews tells us that those sacrifices were symbolic, but they don't take away our sins. But let me read to you uh, something I found on Charles Stanley's website. It says, The early system of spilling blood to cover sin foreshadowed the Father's ultimate redemption plan. He gave his son to die in the place of corrupt men and women. To be an acceptable sacrifice, his son would have to be perfect too. And only a member of the Trinity would be able to remain sinless in life on earth. Our salvation depends upon Jesus' flawless nature because, as God made clear to the Israelites, only a perfect sacrifice would do. Jesus was the perfect lamb, unblemished in every way, and that's why God accepted Christ's sacrifice The way we lay claim to the offering made on our behalf is by placing faith in him. Even back when they were sacrificing animals in Old Testament times, God had instructed the Israelites to to find animals that are, are perfect or, you know, unblemished. So purity was stressed even then back when animal sacrifice was symbolic of foreshadowing the coming of the perfect spotless, blemishless Lamb of God. And indeed, God made uh, Jesus to be a sacrifice for us. Um, I'm going to share with you 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. And the word tells us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, if I die uh, in sin, uh, I can't die for anybody else. It's not going to uh, provide salvation for anybody else. I I just can't do it. But sometimes when I think about what God did for me in sending a perfect Jesus, his son, perfect, it it makes me cry. And I don't cry too much because I'm on medication that kind of stifles that. (laughs) But... (laughs) Nonetheless, it's just so wonderful what God did for us, and he loved us that much. And another scripture that comes to mind that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We certainly didn't deserve it. So, uh, Don, I wanted to share, uh, have you share 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 for us. Surely. 
For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Thank you, Don. Again, stressing the perfection that was required to atone for our sins, the precious Lamb of God. So who do you say I am? Jesus asks each one of us today. Um, John 8:58 tells us, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. There he is talking about himself as the I am. And the Jewish people weren't too happy with that because they associated that with uh, the God Jehovah of the Old Testament. Peter said, of course, you are God's Messiah. And again, Thomas in the New Testament turned to the Lord and said, my Lord and my God. You know, Jesus, uh, the name is a form of Yeshua or Joshua. It means Savior. And this is his special role. He saves his people from the guilt of sin by cleansing them in his own atoning blood. He saves them from the dominion of sin by putting in their hearts the sanctifying spirit. He saves them from the presence of sin when he takes them out of the world to rest with him. He will save them from all the consequences of sin when he shall give them a glorious body at the last day. And I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to that one. Those seeking salvation may draw near to the Father with boldness and have access with confidence through Christ. It is his role and his delight to show mercy, for God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And um, as we consider who do you say I am in answer to Jesus, uh, Consider the importance of the name of Jesus. Vicki, would you read for us Acts 4.12? Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Our Savior bears the name that's the only name whereby we must be saved. You know, we could probably spend several programs looking at um, the titles, the characteristics, the names of Jesus. And I just wrote down a few of them. Um, when we say, my Lord and my God, you are God's Messiah, you're the great I am. Beyond Savior, Jesus is also our advocate, as uh, 1 John 2, 1 tells us. I love this one. He says, from now on, I call, I call you my friends. Mm -hmm. Some people think that that's demeaning to say you can address God and call him friend. I am happy to call him my friend, and he's happy to call me friend. He's our redeemer, Ephesians 1.7. He's our one mediator between God and man. And he's also our intercessor. There's so many wonderful things that could be said about Jesus, but I'm just glad that he did for me what I couldn't do for myself, and that I can call him Lord. Well, Mick, I want to thank you for sharing that. And again, that was based on the song that you wrote called, Who Do You Say I Am? 
and we thank you for sharing your musical talents as well as we got to hear that during today's episode. So Mick Wells has been leading us. Vicki Cundiff, Don McDonald have been here with us sharing these thoughts. If you'd like to contact any of us about sharing with your church or group, send us an email. Send it to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.